0: Hey, what's going on? This is Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow. We are back at it. Perry, how you doing, man?
1: Can't complain. I mean, enjoyable summer, lots of great beer. Put down my first year in the city finally, so Congrats. You to continue on.
0: Congrats on that. So, BTBT, we're back. This is our first episode after our summer break, and we're very excited because we have two very, very special guests here with us today. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves.
2: Sure. Uh, Andrew Berman. I live in Astoria, Queens, and I've been homebrewing for about six years.
0: I'm
3: Jason Stein. I'm a beer writer. I used to write for Pace Magazine, now mainly for Hop Culture Magazine.
0: Right on, guys. So let's let's jump right into it. Starting with you, Andrew, how did you get into the whole craft beer scene?
2: Well, uh, actually, Jason and I have been friends for a pretty long time. We both went to the University of Michigan together. Uh, My friend, Matt Federico, Mm -hmm. who I brew with, we all went to college together. And Michigan has just an absolutely incredible craft beer scene. Um, you know, growing up, we graduated in 2009. Uh, I think that was kind of right when craft beer was really exploding and to have Bell's Brewery and Founders Brewery, uh, in Ann Arbor, being able to drink yeah. two-hearted Oberon, <laughs> uh, Slam. Yeah. I mean, that, that really, really got, a, a, us going to craft beer.
3: Yeah. So there's, a, there's a ton of like, I know growing up, well, growing up, going to college on campus there'd be a ton of beer shops and there was a craft beer bar with right in within the campus Ashley's it's called mm-hmm. and they would have fifty different beers on tap at all times rotating. And so I think for at least for me, like that was kind of and I'm sure for Andrew too, because he was with me at the time, that was kind of what really brought me into craft beer start. And really that first time trying Hop Slam, I would say. I it's crazy how much beer has changed since then mm-hmm. because right now Hop Slam is on the shelves everywhere in cans, but back then, it would be this once-a-year thing that would be on tap, and we'd just go absolutely crazy, and a uh, college kid drinking a 10%, yeah. Right? like, yeah, you not <laughs> right. really know that at first, and I remember, like, the first few times we had it, I would go home, and I would be like, I am going to fucking die tonight, <laughs> and I would never realize and I had, like, three beers, and I was like, what's going on? But it was, yeah, it was just that transition right there to beers like Hopsland and even from Great Lakes, uh, Edmund Fitzgerald, these beers that we really never saw on the East Coast that kind of blew us away, at least for me. Oh, yeah. It it
1: really Hopslam fun. was one of those, definitely. They would do a frickin' and the keg itself yeah. as an event, so you could you know get a taste of it with that warmer, natural carbonation, but either way, you were only doing two or three, and you were done. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had some
3: really really bad nights with Hopslam uh-huh. in my past. I not talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> that that is one beer that yeah, I've always seek that ever since, and it's yeah. been a special. Like, but it's
2: pretty amazing beer. how craft beers changed. I mean, you know, and which doesn't seem like that much time us being in school, which yeah. is I guess now uh, like that was ten to be twelve beer. years ago drinking those beers. Till so what how your palate changes the types of beers you mm-hmm. you go for. I mean. Those were the days of just slamming hops, the bitterness, you know, the, yeah. that type of flavor. You never thought that was possible. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like that. It was hop slam. It was Sierra Nevada
3: Optimum.
0: Yeah, um,
3: those beers, even like trying like beers like Hetty back then. Like I was like, holy shit! Like this is what I want. I remember like even I know Andrew used with uh, Matt who's not here. They used to make these drives every year to a store in Pennsylvania to get a case of Hopslam. Yeah. It limited <laughs> to a CBS case. We did that. And they, it was like, it's called like shangies. Yeah. Shang-Y's. So they, <laughs> they drive up uh, like once a year, get a case, bring it back. Um, I was trading like crazy at the time. And I had friends in Michigan who would basically ship me every year a case of Hopslam. And it was like, nice. holy grail. Good I friends. Just, yeah. I just sit there like drinking what I could to, and still
2: survive. But.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now, before you guys got into craft beer, what was the beer of choice?
2: I mean, I in college would drink a ton of Bud Light. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't think it was until we were really, you know, of drinking age where you really started going to bars and were like, oh wow, there's other types of things available to you. Mm-hmm. It was sort of whatever cheap free beer you can drink, uh, you would take. You know, <laughs> I remember like one time.
3: I don't remember why he bought like a Sixtal of uh, Sam Adams Cherry Wheat, and I thought like I was sophisticated as fuck buying this like, oh, yeah. and it lasted must have lasted like uh, no one wanted to drink at the party it lasted like a complete week like we just like every day we're like uh, I guess we gotta take another pour this. but like back then I was like this is this is it and I was like always searching like Sam Adams Cherry and I, like kind of like going to those bars like Ashley's kind of like opened us up to completely different
0: well yeah it' it's amazing that you know you talked about the access and availability and how craft beer is growing I mean you know six seven years ago there really wasn't much going on here in queens and and you know for New York really for the most part I mean, there were always certain places that did have craft beer but it's just exploded as of late um wh- where do you guys kind of see the current state of of craft beer here in New York and where do you think where do you think it's going next
3: um you know, it's, it's, it's it is interesting. I do remember going back to Hopslam. Bells wasn't here in, like, twenty, even like 2013, like five years ago. I think they came in 2012, 2013, and I would have to travel to, like, I would go to DC and bring Hopslam back. And there's no beers that would really excite me that were in New York up until, like, 2012, 2013. I don't know. I think that's right when Other Half showed up was right around then. I remember going there. And it was just that tiny room. There was like fifteen of us online waiting for a triple IPA. I think it was all green everything and mm. maybe green diamonds. And I remember going there and bringing it back and being like, "Holy shit! Like, there's a brewery that makes beer that I want to buy in New York." <laughs> and <laughs> like to think of like the change from that then to now, where like we—I don't know what the count—is I'm assuming there's probably like 30, 40 breweries in New York City, mm. and. There's a lot of breweries that I, I actually want to go to.
1: It's, yeah.
3: it's crazy to think how much it's changed, really. Um, yeah, I think, like, I mean, Andrew, jump in, but like going forward, like, I feel like we've only just hit like a certain level. I feel like there's a lot more to grow in New York. Everyone kind of thinks that we hit this bubble, but I don't think we're even close. Like, you think of how big this city is, and mm-hmm. to think that there's only like 30, 40 breweries. And there's probably... Is there
2: not in Manhattan? Maybe there's one in Manhattan? I Those think to, two? Well, Torch and Crown and yeah. is, I think, going to open in a, in a Manhattan brew pub, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's not much Manhattan. I mean, I think for me, um, I've been a part mm-hmm. of the Brooklyn Bruisers Homebrew Club for five or six years, and uh, our initial members, are almost all of them are brewing professionally in the city, so... Uh, like Pete and KCBC. Um, mm. We have from Gunhill, Hill, Transmitter. Uh, we have guys brewing at Rockaway. Um, it's just really been cool to see guys who are these passionate homebrewers. I mean, the funny thing is homebrewing is still a very, very small community in New York City. Mm. I mean, Bitter Nesters is the only homebrew store in all of New York City, which is kind of nuts. Yeah, And it's a small community, and it's pretty cool to see a lot of guys... Um, you know, other people that I've done homebrew uh, events with, uh, Killsboro lineup, um, you know, I've done homebrew events and see them succeed in the city. I think is really, really awesome. Um, I mean, I do think there's a challenge in the city. It's, it's expensive to open up yeah. <laughs> in New York city. I mean, it's kind of cool. I think it'll be interesting to see how breweries expand. I mean, it's really interesting, you know, other half expanding outside of New York city, um right. you know, will more breweries open up, you know, second locations that are more like bars. Um something like that might be kinda interesting. Um But yeah, it's a really exciting time. I mean even even in Astoria, you know, there's great craft beer bars opening. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's great that every basically every neighborhood has a good craft beer bar now. Uh and and a good craft brewery pretty close by too. So um, I mean it's really nice. I mean, you really it's great to go to a bar and be able to look at the board and go, Oh, there's some great New York city beer available that I can just drink and just kind of just keep to New York city beer.
0: Absolutely. And you know, you mentioned great breweries right here in Astoria, you got single cut, uh, and iconic. Um, and to to me, single cut is one of my favorite breweries in, in New York in general. I, I love what they're doing over there. And you're right. It's just, there's just, this didn't exist. A few years ago, so and I agree with you, Jason. I don't think a lot of people have said I've heard about the bubble. The bubble. I think it's a different kind of bubble. And we've spoke about this on the show before. I think it's not so much that there's not room for more breweries. I think it's the breweries who are going to succeed are going to be tasked with more focusing more on the business side of things. They can't yes. just be brewers with good beer. It's got to be they got to they got to be able to do the marketing and they got they got to be able to, to do the numbers. It's, it's 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 actually running it like a business. And and I think. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the determining factor of how if a brewery survives or it doesn't. Yeah. But I do believe that there's definitely a. I mean, look, Astoria in itself is only two breweries here. There's definitely more room for than than just two, you know, and and other areas too. I mean, Staten Island has what they have one or, or I know they have Killsborough. Um, I'm not sure if they have anything else out there.
1: I think there's one more down there's there. One, I think there's like Staten Island brewery. St- like, yeah, I, I was can never forget the name, but I've seen it mentioned in passing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Staten Island feels like it's just. Not part of New York. It feels like it's like another. It's no, 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 no. I I like Staten Island. I like Staten Island. But if I got to take a boat to get somewhere, it just feels like. Yeah, I mean, it's far away.
1: I mean, I just think about you know even in Pittsburgh. Since I've left, I think two or three more have opened just in that in this past year. Yep. And I mean, you look at I think Allegheny County probably has twenty or thirty as well, right? And the entire population of that county is probably less than a third of Brooklyn or something. I think the challenge with New
2: York City, though is, yes, there's less breweries, but you're competing against a lot more, right? So if you can go out in New York City, I mean, you can go out and go wherever you want. You can go to a really cool, awesome speakeasy, cocktail lounge, you know. There's so many different neighborhoods you can go out with. So you're kind of competing, especially when, you know, obviously on-site sales is really how breweries are going to succeed. And when you're competing against all these other places, you know, not just against another brewery, but against another type of bar or activity in New York City. I think that's going to be kind of a challenge. And I can see how do more breweries make interesting experiences, right? We've all kind of had like, okay, you know, you're in the warehouse setting, mm-hmm. you know, how do you make a more interesting on-site experience for people? Uh, to get more people in the door when they can kind of now go to, like, a really, really cool lounge and get that same beer uh, on tap. So
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of breweries, in my experience here at least, you know, most of them seem that like they can sustain themselves just on, like, selling direct Mm -hmm. on-premise, which is nice because that, you know, that means a brewery can grow its own way that way. But, yeah, definitely the distribution. And I don't even mean, like, you know, off-premise canning bottles, like, Yeah, just getting accounts at bars like it's hard because there's a million places to drink here. But again, you're you know you're fighting big beer and you're fighting local beer in a good way, but it's still a battle. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and I think you know that's why you mentioned uh, differentiated experiences, and I think that's why a lot of like breweries, you know, they they they're they're pet friendly. They're they're trying to be family friendly. They're trying to get people in there. They connect with the food trucks, and um, it's it's they're trying to make it an experience. But you know, you're right. There's there's a lot of of competition because although i you know we i can i can speak freely i think for the group here we love going to breweries but you know there is something about going to that bar where you can have 10 12 15 20 different beers from 20 different breweries and you know um that that's that's kind of what they're up against and not to mention just the cost you know it's 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 tough for the the brewery we, we've had a lot of uh, brewery owners tell us you know you, you don't get into it for the money you know yeah. it's 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 definitely a labor of of passion and love but i i do think that it's going to it's going to expand and i do think it's going to it's going to continue to grow i think it's just that the breweries need to uh they got to put on the the brew hat and the business hat like before in the beginning it was like you make good beer people will come now you know it's it, it you can't just rely on having good beer. It's like you have to have good beer, but you have to have good business sense too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you've seen that a lot. I mean, recently I won't, you know, like name names, but you've heard in, you know, breweries locally just here, you know, buying other brewery spaces because, you know, another brewery thought, Oh, well everyone wants beer. So I will just take out a huge loan, get all this new equipment, new space, and I'll be able to just automatically succeed. And, that's just not the case. I think as you said, there's obviously room to grow because the breweries that are brewing good beer have good business sense, mm-hmm. are capitalizing that, sort of taking over these other breweries and are expanding that way. So I think there's definitely room for expansion. But I just as you said, yeah, you have to have a really good business sense uh going forward.
0: Absolutely. So now um Let's talk a little bit more about the homebrewing that you guys do. So tell us a little bit about about your your process, the kind of styles that get you guys the most excited, and just overall, like, your experience uh, up until this point with homebrewing.
2: Yeah, so um, I brew uh, with our other friend uh, from college, Matt Federico. He is on vacation this weekend. Uh, We've been homebrewing together for about six years or so. Kind of started, you know, in that sort of way of, oh, we like craft beer. Why don't we just try uh, doing this ourselves? you know, complete failure the first time we did it, really didn't know what we were doing. But you kind of make something, you know, with a little alcohol and taste decent, and you go, okay, I want to continue to try doing this. Um, so we've kind of experimented with brewing for probably, a, it, I always tell people it really took us a good two years to kind of figure out what what we were really doing. We were kind of experimenting with different styles, but really just kind of getting processed down. And probably in the last four years or so where we've really felt like we've dialed it in um part of that i think i mentioned uh, i'm part of a homebrew club brooklyn bruisers right. uh that meets uh second monday of every month at briary lane uh I've met some amazing uh really smart talented people in that homebrew club and i think uh learning from them um has really helped uh sort of expand our brewing techniques um but we 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 brew a lot of different types of beers i would say we kind of look for things sort of in the anywhere from a 4 to 7% ABV range. We do a lot of different IPAs, pale ales. I poured for you guys earlier a uh, Kolsch, lightly dry hop, Kolsch style, I should say, ale. Um, so we brew in my apartment here in Astoria, uh, five-gallon batches. Um, so I have a freezer chest where I can fit three kegs, a couple different freezer chests for fermentation, uh, we do explore into sour, long-term sour uh, aging, have a 10-gallon barrel that we do kind of different uh, sour beer experiments in. And and I said it's the homebrew community is really a great uh, community here. We do a lot of homebrew events uh, throughout the city, homebrew competitions. It's just a really great way to try other people's beers, you know, be inspired by other people's beers and, and really be part of a, a, a cool community. I've made some really awesome friends, home brewers and professional brewers through the beer community. I, I think that's one of the, the, the best things about craft beer is that there's really amazing people you meet, you know, um, I think, you know, Jason and I have known each other for a long time, but we bonded and strengthened our friendship uh, through craft beer. Um, yeah. And you know, I have some really close friends that I made through craft beer, so I think and homebrewing. So I think that's really the, the best thing about it. So Yeah,
3: that's definitely for sure. Yeah, I mean, for, for I guess for, for homebrewing for me. So I obviously did not homebrew as long as Andrew. Um, I always came here and watched them homebrew, kind of want to learn the process. It kind of really took off when we started this uh, back to basics series for Hop Culture. So like the back to basics series was an idea I had for the last uh, kind like two three years. It was something I always wanted to do. Um, I just threw all the connections from from all the writing. I always wanted to have a professional brewer come and brew a beer in my apartment. The problem was I knew absolutely jack shit about homebrew. So so I basically enlisted Andrew to kind of help me learn how to do homebrews. So I started homebrewing my apartment. Um, Not five-gallon, but one-gallon, now three-gallon. It's getting getting more and more and more Um, as I got along. but I kind of wanted to learn the process because I felt it was a little strange for me to be reviewing people's beers and kind of telling what I thought about people's beers without having any idea of the process. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to have Andrew kind of teach me the process of homebrew. So when I speak to a brewer, I understand what went right, what went right, what went wrong, um, what they could have done differently, be able to speak to flavors I'm tasting or, things that could have changed in the process now that could affect the beer. So um, I just kind of dove in. I Unfortunately, since Andrew's been brewing for five, six years, his equipment was pretty out there for uh, not your normal average starting home brewer. So I kind of jumped in and spent way too much money just buying okay. everything. <laughs> so, like my, my fiance is probably me right now because we had a <laughs> one of these freezer chests that you see here. I like got... A uh, big white freezer chest in the middle of our apartment. And it's hosting. <laughs> it's a like, decorative piece. And it, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, you can put <laughs> anything on top of it. I think right. Put something on it, but it's hosting uh, always a keg and a carboy. Right now, this is a.
0: You uh, tell us about that. What do you got going on there? So,
3: this is a, kind of a series I started that it was called Lumberjack Style. Um, got the name from actually a Rakim uh, rap song. Nice. <laughs> so. I, uh, it's a 11.5% stout. This one's aged on toasted coconuts. Um, I did a five gallon bash. It's the first time I'm trying to do a five gallon bash and I split it between, um, just split it in half. Half of it is aged maple syrup on maple syrup from Vermont. Oh, wow. Um, the other half is this that we're going to keg, uh, at halftime during the Michigan game. Um, so yeah, I mean, so this started out as, um, our first back to basics, we did with brandon tolbert who was the head brewer at the time for the answer group hub mm-hmm. um i took that style and changed it to be more of a that was a reporter that we did um and then i just kind of kind of just reached out to uh, brewers that i knew i reached out to uh voodoo in uh, in, uh homestead uh, i reached out to the head brewer to kind of get some feedback i reached out to a bunch of head brewers actually and just got their thoughts on how I could really improve the recipe because it was the first time I was brewing stout, and I felt that um, kind of having all these people in the beer community, I should ask. I don't, I, I don't, I know that I, if I did this on my own, it would have been a total piece of shit. I'd rather <laughs> reach out to people I know, reach out to Andrew, reach out to the guys at Voodoo, um, several other breweries, and just kind of get their thoughts on the recipe. And once I was happy with the recipe, I brewed it once. Um, had some issues the first time. I bottled it, I had poured it for a bunch of brewers. They're like, actually, this is actually quite good for a first stout, so I made some changes. This is the second batch, so I have no idea how it will turn out. And as you can see, uh, kind of fucked up with the coconut. So we will see how this turns out. Be I want positive. To- be positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, be cautiously optimistic <laughs> is the way to go. So we'll see how this goes. We're we'll going to take this later. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just a series of stats that I've been working on. It's the same recipe i just kind of tweak it every so often different yeast different grains um, but pretty much the same staff treated with different different uh, adjuncts each time um mm-hmm. working on getting barrels for it and then we'll see oh, wow. how it goes from there right now yeah there's a, a maple syrup place uh single barrel seller in massachusetts that has a barrel of maple syrup, maple syrup barrel for maple syrup barrel. they've been holding for me for a while and um hopefully get next one in there and uh yeah it kind of just I had to learn it um learn the whole process just for that back to basics series um and then it helps a lot we do the basic first two back to basics we're here um it's pretty crazy and pretty cool when you think about it to have a professional brewer come to uh this apartment <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah sure and, yeah
0: and we have them
3: here we're like collaborating on a recipe and they're here for the brew day just hanging out and we're just doing a full like collaboration on a beer, um, just right here, it's kind of crazy to think about it, that it's actually worth, uh, this far.
2: I think most people, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, I think what you think of, like, if you go across the U S and think of like what a home brewer is, you, you know, I think like the average stats, it's kind of like 50 year old dad brewing in his garage. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have these, have very elaborate, uh, homebrew setups you know I have a 500 something square foot one bedroom apartment in Astoria sure. and if you look, I mean I have a New York City stove yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Right. right. But so you, I you've think optimized your space yeah. though, very very well. <laughs> I think it's you know definitely a surprise for guys um, yeah. you know who brewing from outside of the city to come in and kind of see what uh, what type of setup you're working with but it's it's pretty amazing if you know uh, I like hopefully think I know what I'm doing. Um, you can you can kind of still make some good beer if you don't have uh, super fancy equipment. So, absolutely,
3: it's crazy that like for like Brandon for Brandon Financer to come down here. He like walked in the door not expecting anything, and we're like, "Oh, we're gonna push you to work." bashing into this like Gatorade, Gatorade jug right now, <laughs> but it's been really really cool. That anyway. was a
2: that was a fun brew day. You know, I said it's pretty. Most people don't start homebrewing and brew like 11% stouts, like what uh, what Jason <laughs> did. But uh, So he's like, yeah, I want to do this beer. It was like a 12% stout uh, <laughs> with the type of equipment we did. We did um, actually what's called a, a polygyle um, mash. So we did a regular mash, collected our wort, and then ran that wort and through uh, a second set of grains. So it's sort of like the, the work got two, yeah. two mashes to get the uh, ABV to where we wanted. So that was a, a really interesting experience and a very fun, about a 13, 14-hour day. <laughs> it was a very, yeah. very, very
3: long day. But, but um, uh, you yeah, know, that one was, that kind of, like, started it all. Like, the, just when you invite a professional brewery, like, hey, please come to our apartment to the story at a brew, a homebrew. I was a little skeptical if it would work at first.
2: Why not?
0: I mean, these guys started out somewhere, right? They, I know. They... Well, that,
3: well, that's been the cool thing is that we've reached out to people. Like, I talked to Swars about it, and he's like, This sounds awesome. Like, I always wanted to do a homebrew again. Like, let me know later in the year. I talked last week to Aliash about it. Like, you've talked to other half about it. Like, there's breweries that think, like They haven't done this in a while. And a lot of these head brewers aren't as deep into the brew day as they used to be. Right. Again, and you kind of go back to what you really brought you in, in the first place and kind of sitting here um, in our modest Astoria brew house like, <laughs> it kind of brings them back to the it's good, nostalgic yeah, yeah. Brings yeah. back to the good times of where like they really fell in love with it and it's been really cool kind of take that and run with it so we've done we did that one we did Zach from Kent Falls and we did Kyle from Horace HLs but we did it at another location for that one with um our buddy Dave is Mindful Ales.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, okay.
1: we interviewed him on...
0: Uh... Um, Brew free Cure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I like what he's doing. He, he had some really good beers yeah. Yeah, at that event. some cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Mindful Ales. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that, you know, we always talk about in the show that you craft beers community, so we're not surprised that these guys, you know, kind of came through and did that here. I'm sure, like you said, a lot of these guys now are a little bit more... Uh, uh, backed away from from the process in the breweries, and they they probably have the opportunity. Not only is it nostalgic, they can get a little creative. And you know, worst comes to worst, they could just blame you guys if it doesn't come out right. So. <laughs> well, that's why I do it here, so I can blame them. <laughs> but yeah, no,
3: it's it's cool because I always say like, we'll brew anything you want. If you want, we can replicate a recipe that you have and just kind of just make our alterations on it. Um, if there's a beer style that you've always wanted to brew and you couldn't really feasibly do it at your brewery large scale just any like anything we're down for anything here um but it's been really really cool um the brandon one was really cool very interesting because it was at the time when brandon was leaving the answer and so we were doing this brew day as he was now leaving to start his own brewery although i like the whole thing's billed as brandon from the answer Um, right that was an interesting one um and then zach um Zach was just being named, I think, the head brewer for Kent Falls, uh, like literally like weeks after we actually did the homebrew here. Um, that was really cool. He was super into it, came in, uh, had a bag of like spruce branches. He like ripped off the trees that morning from the <laughs> farm. Yeah, it was very cool. <laughs> wow. Well. And like a bags of like aged uh, hops from like 2012. Um, I mean, we were just
2: like literally like sucking on the branch, yeah. just to try like a he, like, bit, like a grapefruit note to it. Uh, he
3: like walked in and he's like, "Hey, try this. Take it. Take a bite." And like, what the fuck? Are you doing? And yeah, no, it
2: was, it was good. Uh, it was it was very cool and and he was he's a really really nice guy. Yeah. So
3: yeah, I'm really ex- uh, yeah for I'm excited for him um, being named the head brewer because he has some really cool things he's thought about and kind of bringing his experiences from all the places he's been to now be the head brewer of Kent Falls. I think really cool things that have come out of that.
0: Right. So now, qu- question for you. How did you get into the whole journalism aspect of craft beer?
3: Uh, so that, that <laughs> one's a strange one. So um, my, uh, my fiancé is a full-time journalist uh, for a few publications. Uh, she was at Paste Magazine at the time. Okay. Um, they had been reaching out to her to write articles about beer so I would write articles, she would edit them, and she would submit them under her name. And then it got to a point where they're like, can you, get, can you keep giving us more of these beer articles? And she was like, can my boyfriend just do it? Because he's the one writing these articles anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how it kind of blew up. Um, and yeah, I, I, at the time, I was recovering from, I think, a hip surgery. So I was off from work on disability And I had so much time, I had nothing to do and I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna just go all out. And I just started writing like multiple articles every week, uh, reaching out to breweries that I didn't think would ever respond to me, Reaching out to like Sean at Hill Farmstead, Mm. uh, Levi at Funk Factory, uh, JC at Trillium, reaching out to all these brewers that I didn't think were actually even the light of day. And they were like totally down to talk. And I was like, I kind of like this. I like, like, I really enjoy like having these conversations. I mean, before that, it was just me. I had had a blog, but nobody read it other than myself. it be basically I'd go, I'd go to a beer I share. read it once in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, do not read it. It's it counter. Two. <laughs> I would basically go to beer shares, come home, like tipsy slash drunk, and just be like, I'm just going to write. And it'd be filled with, I'd be, I'd be like, Maggie, my fiance can you take a look at this and be like this is awful writing (laughs) (laughs) because i'd be drunk and i just wouldn't care to be spelling mistakes there'd be words missing but i just kind of would do it whenever i got the chance just to like get my thoughts on paper so to finally like get a chance to um get things out there for real um that's pretty cool it's kind of like snowballed from
0: there awesome very very awesome so um I want to go around the table, and, and Perry, I'll, I'll start with you. I want to kind of, you know, this is now, you know, at the time of this recording, September 1st. Summer, unfortunately, is officially over, so I just wanted to get, you know, you guys, what what is, you know, one or two really, really good beers this past summer that, that really stood out for you? Um, you know, something you really enjoyed.
1: For me, I actually got to say, uh, the other half did a, a series of Berliners this summer called Um fruit That's right, yeah. And I think they did five or six different, you know, fruit versions, if you will. I actually picked one up yesterday. I haven't tried it yet, um, but they did a strawberry rhubarb. I think it was or strawberry apricot, um, which was like perfect, just tart enough to be really good for the summer, but still had a lot of flavor going on. Um, but they were all really easy drinking. Like just take them down, no problem at all. Um, I had some decent ones from Grimm as well. Although, actually, as it was other half, one of the I think when I picked up that strawberry beer. They had a an amazing Kolsch named like Tenzin Hall, flu Flugha- I don't know it's like an airport thing. it's got a <laughs> right. guy like waving down an airplane kind of thing. yeah, yeah uh, yeah, it was something like flew called Tenshofer or something. Um, but that was probably the most crushable beer I had all summer. like no questions asked right because it was just a really clean Kolsch, but it had just enough of a a hoppy bite at the end that it kept it really interesting.
0: Fairness, fairness? Jason
3: me on the spot. I'm trying to think of who I had. I kn- the only one that comes to mind that is new that I had this simmer was actually the beer from Zach. Uh, he had this beer called Yish, which mm. is like a Czech pilsner, and it was really, really, really fucking good and super crushable. Um, we had went up there to Suarez, and we had like two side-by-side have different Palatine pills, which is, for at least for me, the best pills in the world, Palatine pills, and... It's Just really good. Having like those two different like styles of pills next to each other is like, pretty incredible. I think that one for me. I'm trying to think of what else I've had. <laughs> I don't think I could think of anything else right now.
0: I think that was a pretty good answer. Yeah. that's that well, a good beer.
3: I guess also if I could give one more, I guess Tachyon from uh, Equilibrium, their okay. pale ale. Um, I've always been a fan of their pale ales, and I always give them shit to brew photon as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> they, they brewed it once for their first can release and they waited a year and every week i would just send like messages to their head brewer and people there being like so when's photon coming out <laughs> <laughs> and then they brewed a beer called tachyon and i was like shit this is actually better than photon so now uh-huh. tachyon reigns king for me for the pale
2: isles but yeah probably those two
0: nice andrew
2: yeah, I would say uh, we went up to uh, Foam uh, a few weekends ago for their Funk on the Water Festival. Um, I think one would stood out to me was I think it's an amazing space. Uh, they did an incredible job with the festival. i was just incredibly impressed with uh, their presentation of everything. Their beers are great. I had a really great uh, beer from uh, Wonder Camer. Mm. who's the yeah. one of the brewer, uh, I think he works, I believe he's at Hill Farmstead. Yeah, he was
1: like a what, an assistant brewer for a while and then when stuff shifted around he started his own.
2: I think like he's still brewer- there. I mean yeah, in there, yeah, but I mean it's yeah. under his own label. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was really impressed with that and then uh, locally, just because I w- want to give a shout out to the Queens Breweries, um, I'm friendly with the Big Alice guys, and I was drinking yeah. a lot of their, their fruited sours this summer are, uh, were great. So
0: They I really stepped up Alice. their uh, production game as far as the releases and everything they've been yeah. doing the, the past uh, uh, six months, probably more than that, actually. But uh, yeah, I like the Big Alice guys. Good, yeah. good group of guys down there. Shout out to Big Alice. Yeah, yeah that
1: what was it, the mojito they had at the, the anniversary.
0: At the anniversary that? they had. That yeah, was good. That
1: was yeah. one of the better ones. Yeah, I, that. That I, remember, I remember really
0: liking that that day. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned before you you came here, you had the Fistful of Rubies. That, that was good, too. I remember yeah, I was, was there for that release. Um, it was a good beer. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, so actually, the, the one beer, I mean, there were many beers I had this summer that was really good. But the one that that stands out in my memory the freshest was uh, What Is My Purpose? So it was an IPA from Mustache Brewery. They're way out there in Little Island, uh, Riverhead. Uh, and I, and I think it's a, it's a Rick and Morty reference for all the Rick and Morty heads out there, but, uh, really good. I mean, I just was really, really impressed. I mean, I like, I like mustache. Um, actually have family that's, that's, that's a little bit further out, but not that far, uh, from, from the brewery. So, you know, I'll get from time to time. I've always liked what I've gotten from them, but that really, really, um, impressed me. And, um, shout out to, uh, Benedict Beer Blog. He actually, uh, he, he, um. They're his buddies, the people who own the brewery, and they actually just did a collab, um, which I have in my fridge, which I haven't tried yet, but I will try, Benny, I promise. Uh, I'm going to try that, And uh, but but shout out to Mustache, and shout out to um, Benedict Beer Blog. Um, so, yeah, so guys, w- w- is there anything you guys have coming up that you'd like to talk about, any, any brews in the works, any events, and uh, also, um, you know... Just, just shout out if you guys have your your, your Instagram or, or the best way people can can kind of follow you and see what you guys are up to and all the cool stuff that you guys are getting down with. Uh, please, the, the platform is yours.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, my Instagram is Berman Brew. Um, you know, Matt and I are homebrewers. We we do a lot of homebrewing events. I think a lot of our uh, the homebrewing events we do kind of come up further in the winter and spring. But for us, uh, we purchased a, a canner. Uh, a few months ago, so it's fucking been, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And so we're we're just really focused. So we we've just been really trying to get our beers out to more people. Um, we've done a lot of homebrew events. It's great to get feedback there. It's always great to when when a medal once in a while. But we really just want to get more beers out to people, get cans out to people, get feedback. Hopefully, gain some awareness for what we're doing and kind of get a sense of hey, maybe is this something we can do. Uh, Uh, on a broader scale down the road so
0: that's what i wanted to ask is that (laughs) is that the the long-term vision yeah i
2: mean i think i think it's a dream for for any home brewer to always say hey yeah let's uh open our own uh brewery uh i always been kind of telling people you know we're in the feasibility study uh you know trying to figure out what's possible but for us it's really the main focus is making quality beer uh one and then two kind of getting it out there to people hopefully people will uh know more about us and that will kind of give us a sense of hey maybe this is something we can actually do so that's really our focus
0: right huh?
3: yeah um i guess things coming for us uh, for me um nothing really that much on the horizon i think we're trying to figure out who's going to be next for the back to basics series like i said we've spoken to dan soars uh spoke to Jason last week for Malagash. So I think those are both on the radar for the rest of the year. I think Andrew and I have been talking about possibly doing one for hop cultures. We're doing a festival in, in New York city. That's Super. right. Yeah. So we're talking about whether, what we could brew that would be able to pour there. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of limits us in terms of styles to make sure that something's ready. So probably something either like an IPA or probably a kettle sour, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's pretty much – that's what I've been focusing on that right now. Um, and uh, kind of more the back-to-basics thing, I, I was telling Andrew before we actually sat down that I was asked if I'd want to possibly expand back to ba- some of the back-to-basic beers to a professional level. Mm-hmm. Um, this morning someone reached out to be like, hey, you'd be interested in rebrewing some of the beers on more of a commercial level so that we can get to more people. So that's something I – kind of was thrown out this morning so i need to think about whether that's something that we could
2: possibly do in the future and um yeah and and jason's also getting married in in three 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 weeks
0: congratulations uh, buddy
3: i was told no beer thing
2: so i might <laughs> yeah, but why uh, well, you could homebrew? You
0: you, you could cater a, the event, yeah. right? We all,
2: we also brewed two two beers for his wedding. So there that, you that's go, been keeping yeah. us uh, busy. So a nice be- uh, Sister <laughs> Cit- <laughs> Galaxy IPA will be poured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's have, awesome. Yeah, we have a
3: yeah. uh, Ever After Sixer Galaxy beer. We <laughs> yes. have uh, Till Death, which is the beer we did, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: that's an Imperial yeah. Stout with um, vanilla bourbon barrel aged vanilla, vanilla, vanilla beans. Nice. Very I nice. Have a, <laughs> Kyle from Horror State Jails
3: did a big stat with almonds, and I have a Boca Rider blend um, for that as well. So a lot, of, yeah. a lot of wedding beers. Got a lot going <laughs> on, man. A lot of wedding beers. <laughs> very,
0: very you cool.
1: Never have too much for a night like that,
0: right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, if they're too heavy, like the double IPA, I don't know if your fiance is going to want you slamming double IPAs. <laughs> IPAs. <laughs> so we've
3: decided not be drunk, so
0: we we'll oh, be, come on. We'll, well, Boo! The end, yeah, it's okay. And then, so fair I'm that's be, fair. That's bring fair. Mostly
3: probably pills, like uh, Berman's bourbon, beer, and then some other things, just cans for the actual reception. And then the after party will be stuffed.
0: Is your <laughs> is your uh, soon to be wife is she into craft beer? Not she at all. Is gluten-free. Oh, gluten-free. <laughs> well, you gotta get this your next next big project, you gotta brew a gluten free craft beer. Well, we got into mead
3: which okay, went down a rabbit hole because now I have so much mead in my apartment. She's like, ah, some of it's a little sweet. I don't really want to be drinking it. I'm like, great, <laughs> I'm gonna be drinking, drinking all this meat by myself now. Uh, there you um, go. Yeah, so that's why I brought like an absurd amount of cans for this because
1: otherwise I'd have to consume them all
0: myself. Well, we are happy to help. <laughs> yeah. we, we are
3: happy like, to help. Stouts like this, yeah, big barrel. Stouts. Actually,
1: I just heard somebody somebody was on another podcast mentioning sour meads. Sour. It's... There's a guy in Australia who apparently there's a few places in the States that do it, but like I like sour beers. And, wow. I mean, that, that'd that be an interesting change, right? Because it's yeah. a very different very. kind of a sweetness yeah. profile. Yeah. But if you can give it enough tartness and complexity, because meads already have a lot going on. Yeah. yeah I, was... I feel like that's in, like if you were going to play with meads at all anymore, that could be a way to go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That yeah. might be a little more because, you know, sour beers tend to be a little more acidic, more like wine. that usually fits the palates that, of people that aren't as into beer. Yeah.
3: I'd be interested to see how that, yeah, that is because, like, I, I would say, like, a lot of the meads that, I like, enjoy from like places like Shrams in uh, Michigan, um, they do have that tartness. I don't know how sour it works, but I'm down to try
0: anything. <laughs> and there you go. And then, if people want to find you on IG, what's the best place to do that?
3: Uh, NYC Beer
1: Society, would be probably the best way.
0: Right on, right on. So, Perry, any uh, any parting words, thoughts, musings?
1: Just just ready to get back out there, and you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm always hitting the pavement, but, you know, let's share with the rest of our, our listeners, our viewers, whatnot, and show them what else is kicking ass in the city.
3: Oh,
0: absolutely. BTBT, BT, we are back. BTBT BT in full effect. Uh, thank you so much for inviting us here to your place uh, in Astoria. Love Astoria. Grew up here. Um, it's, you know, Perry knows how fond I am of Queens. I think we might have mentioned that once or twice on the podcast. Uh, it's possible. It's I the hat? <laughs> <laughs> love Queens, love, especially a story. I love comeback back to story. I love seeing how, um, when I grew up here to the neighborhood, what it is now, it's, it's, I mean, it's very different in, in, in a very positive ways. So great to see it. Great to be back. Um, I always, you know, it's not hard to convince me to come back, I love an excuse, but to come here and have great beer, I mean, you know, it's, an, it's, it's a no-brainer, it's a no-brainer, but uh, Perry knows uh, Queens is the greatest place on earth, right, Perry? <laughs> said,
1: you can have Queens all day, but I'm taking Brooklyn all night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, guys, any, anything else you want to share with our audience before we uh, sign out on our first official episode to kick off, I guess, the new season for Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow?
2: Just, we got to end with a shout out to Queens. I don't want to end on Brooklyn. There you go. There you go. Shout out to Queens. I love it. Guys, again,
0: thank you so much for inviting us down here. Thanks so much for hopping on the show and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's fucking awesome.
2: Great. Thanks for having us. Cheers, guys. Cheers, man. Cheers.